Happy Bitcoin Monday, freaks. It's your host, Odell, for another Citadel Dispatch, the interactive live show focused on actual Bitcoin and freedom tech discussion. We have a timely topic lined up for this week. I'm very excited about it. We will be talking about home Bitcoin mining, pirate mining, non-institutional mining, um, and all that good stuff that comes with it. I have, uh, I have John here. Founder of Futurebit. How's it going, John? Good. Great to be on. Like, really excited uh, about this episode. We're talking about what we're up to. John, is this the first time? This is not the first time you've been on Dispatch, right? No, it has. We've been we've been trying to schedule this for the past year, I think. And well, I'm glad we made it happen. It's yeah, not the first yeah. time we've had a public conversation. We've done stage no, yeah. panels. Yeah, we've definitely done a bunch of stuff before, but not that. Well, I'm glad we finally made it happen. And we have um, yeah. Scott here, lead maintainer of the BitAxe open source project. How's it going, Scott? It's going pretty fantastic. Thanks for having me on here. Pretty pretty excited to be here. Chat with you guys. Cheers. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you both on here. Um, so I think a good place to start is... Uh, well, actually, I, I think a really interesting... I don't know. Let, let's start with this. John, you have a new product coming out. FutureBit has a new product coming out. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the product? Yeah, it's uh, it's been a while, two weeks for us. We just launched um, the Apollo 2, which is kind of the culmination of all our work at FutureBit for the past, uh, let's say, eight years or so. This is the product that I've been trying to release um, for a long time. And it's I'm really proud the team pulled it off and we were finally able to, to get it out there. Um, it's pretty much the first time a mass consumer home Bitcoin miner uh, has caught up to, almost caught up to the latest uh, generation node. Um, so it's a five nanometer ASIC, um, pretty, pretty nice efficiencies on it. Um, and our big feature that we're kind of introducing with the product is um, our, our revamped 2.0 OS on it. Um, so for those that don't know about FutureBit, uh, what we kind of do in our whole mission is to um, get as many nodes out there as possible. And how we do it is by combining a full node and a miner in a easy to use uh, box that's plug and play and anybody can get started in five minutes. Um, so with this product, we're taking it a step further and we're introducing a way to uh, continue the decentralization of Bitcoin network. And we're launching what we call a stratum solo pool on the device. Um, so anybody will be able to, you know, because the device already runs a full node, anybody will be able to launch their own stratum solo pool on the device and be able to solo mine directly onto the device. And the cool part of that is it's also stratum server. So you can actually point whatever other miner you have. So let's say you are, you know, a small time miner that has a petahash of, of S19s, but you want to solo mine to your own node, you'll be able to do that with a, a flick of a button on our device and um, not only solo mine on the pile itself, uh, but be able to point whatever other hash rate you have to it. Okay. I, That's so cool. That's yeah. so cool. This is the first. Yeah. Yeah. This is the, this is the first time uh, something like this is, has happened and it's, it's kind of I always talk about this in our product is we're, we're trying to get back to where Bitcoin was, where the Bitcoin core software that Satoshi released had the wallet functionality, had the full node functionality and had the mining capability all in a single piece of software. Um, and that's what actually helped the decentralization in the early days. And what's happened in the past, you know, decade or so is all those three services have kind of split apart and been centralized so the wallets are on mostly on the exchanges now mining is done mostly by huge server farms and corporations um and uh nodes are barely even being run by by regular people you know the hardcore users so we're trying to change that and, and bring the whole ecosystem back to, to how it was in the beginning well Look, John, that's that's badass. I feel like you got ahead of yourself a little bit. Um, what, like, what is the hardware? Uh, like, what? Uh, why should we be excited about this hardware? What does it mean to like a, 
like we should we could get to the pool stuff and i think we should have like a long uh, a decently long conversation about the pool stuff and trade yeah definitely not um but like this the actual hardware so like i'm i'm a consumer i'm buying this thing instead of buying presumably like an s9 or some other well like s9 is like five generations ago but like other some last generation miner maybe i'm like converting it into a heater or something and trying to do things you know how is how is this different from that what am i buying yeah so do you guys want to see it first of all yeah that'd be yes. good yes can i make you yeah, big this... i'm gonna make you big yeah so they can, can so it's, an it's actual, gorgeous it's a production sample that's badass very clean it's pretty much what everybody's gonna get you know it's a little oh, six, six inch block um so yeah what what you're getting is a plug and play 120 volt miner anybody can run in their desk um the issue with, um with Bitcoin mining in general and what uh, Futurebit and Scott and others are trying to solve is how can we get more people involved uh, in Bitcoin mining where most of the machines are 3,000 machines that you can't run in your house. They're super loud. Um, and even if you do run, most people shut off after two months when they find out their power bill is 500 bucks a month. <laughs> uh, so what our approach was, let's make a, a small enough miner where the power bill would be uh, less be at the point where most people wouldn't see an impact on their power bill and wouldn't shut it off. So we want someone to buy our product and be like, all right, I want to participate in Bitcoin mining, participate in decentralizing Bitcoin network, um, be able to earn some sats for doing that and doing it in a way where it's cost effective, where, you know, a cost latte a month, even if your power is not break even, let's say, in, in fiat pricing, you'll still continue to run it and stack those sats. And over time, there hasn't been, a, you know, a period in, his, in Bitcoin's history where, you know, our users have not earned more Bitcoin than what they've paid for the over a you know, longer, long enough time span. Uh, so that's that's kind of what we're trying to solve with our product is, is get the the people that you know have bought bitcoin they have bitcoin at an exchange have heard about mining but have you know have dismissed it as something that they can't do but we're motivating people to be like all right here here's a product where you can put it on your desk and you can start mining in five minutes and it's super quiet doesn't cost a lot of money and won't you know heat up your house in the, in the middle of and that's kind of our our, our little niche and Future bit does badass. I think that was a good explanation. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. So, so reducing heat, reducing noise, making it pretty. Just have to plug it into a regular outlet. Don't have to call an electrician over. Um, and do that all in like a polished, easy to use user experience. Right. Badass. Sorely needed. Um, I look forward to getting my hands on one. Um, okay. So with that said. You have this this pool concept that you've added. This idea of each one of these can be their own solo miner uh, without a pool, right? So there's there's no pool involved in that. But then they can also direct other hash they have to that as if it was a solo pool, right? Right. Yeah. So and, the, yeah. Go ahead. And the I mean the trade off there is like the reason people don't solo mine is the reason they pool mine is is they have expected rewards. They 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 don't have to, they know like, okay, on every week I'll get about this much Bitcoin. Um, but with solo mining, it's more of like a lottery type of situation where you can mine for a, a year and get nothing, or maybe you hit a block and you get a, a, a ton of Bitcoin, right? Right. So th that's how we, we position um, the solo mining aspect. It is, a sol it is a lottery miner. So there's a very small chance that you know, with our device, that's 10 terahash, you'll be able to hit a block. Um, but on the flip side of that, and kind of what our vision is long-term is that doesn't matter on the individual level. What we're trying to change is on, on the whole network level. So when we have, you know, one person with one node and, and one device solo mining, if you multiply that across, let's say a million people, across even different devices, not just Futurebit and other, you know, what Scott's doing and other uh, solo miners out there, you get a network effect where people will start finding solo blocks uh, 
times a day. And that will expand to a good percentage um, if you know what we do is successful and others. And I think that's where we need to get to um, to have free uncensorable blocks on, on the Bitcoin network, even if it's a small percentage, right? So, you know, we see what's going on uh, in the last couple of weeks with censorship on, on big pools and, and all Luke stuff. And it, we need a different solutions out there um, that really um, bring decentralization forward in the way that it, it should be on the individual level where individuals decide what blocks are mined. Um, and at the very least, you know that there's going to be at least a couple free blocks out there where you know you're no matter where it is. Um, so that's that's kind of like our our long term uh, vision with with the solo pool. Um, and and again, this can be paired, you know, with big miners as well. So let's say, you know, you're someone that has you're you're not a corporate miner, but someone that has a large amount of hash rate, but skill to to run your own solo pool um here's a device where you can just plug in and point your hash to it and then all of a sudden your your own pool and mining directly to your own node which is um sorely needed in this space um it, it, it is actually one, one of our biggest uh, feature requests we've had since we launched the, the original apollo so we're really excited for it pretty fucking cool um scott so like where does what what is the bidax project like where does bidax fall into this whole macro environment yeah the the bidax is a um is a a smaller miner right it's a it's a, a half tera hash right so it's it's a 20th of what the apollo 2 is um so it's a, it's a much smaller miner, but I guess on the on the flip side there, it uses significantly less power too, and it's it's very quiet and and you know very cheap too. So it's it's a uh, perhaps an even easier way to get people into mining who may have been turned off um, from doing it, you know, some other way, right? So we can we can get them we can get them in on this through several several different angles here, which I think is pretty awesome. Um, is it yeah, also I mean, under like is, is the main use of it also this idea of like a lottery miner? Yeah, I mean, there's nothing about the the miner itself that says you have to do uh, solo mining or lottery mining. You could you could join a pool. Um, it just uses a standard Stratum client uh, to to join any kind of pool. But you know, in my opinion, I think solo mining makes the most sense. Um, with these well, relatively low hash power miners, um, if you mine with a pool, you're, you're essentially committing to earn very little sats forever. You know, you, you, you can't solve your own block when you're mining with a pool. So I think solo mining, lottery mining makes a lot of sense with these uh, micro miners, these home miners. And people are, so like you can buy like a, like a pre-set up bid axe, I guess, for like $95 or something like that I saw. Yeah, like yeah you people can... People are making them themselves. Is that what's going on? Yeah, yeah. That That's sort of the, the concept with the bid axe is that all the designs are published on, on GitHub. You know, the hardware, the firmware, uh, the software, everything is out there. So if you are feeling crafty, you can uh, download that stuff and build it. I have some very rough uh, guides out there on how to do it. Um, not gonna lie, it's very hard. It's it's really hard to build yourself. Um, so be sure you're in for a, a real project if you want to do it. But uh, several people have done it. Uh, I've been you know surprised. People have contacted me and been like, "I've never soldered anything together before in my life. Can I build this?" And I'm like, "Ah, uh, I don't know." It's, it's the thing with harder man. People don't realize how how hard it is. And it's <laughs> yes. like, well, <laughs> you get into it, you're like, "Oh man, okay, now now I get it. Now I get." But why. I. You know, I've, I've seen people come back and post pictures of what they've soldered and some of them are just train wrecks. You're like, buddy, that's, that's right. never going to work. Yeah. Start over. But then on the <laughs> other hand, I've had people totally do it. Uh, one of our biggest contributors, uh, the first thing he ever soldered together was a bit axe and now he's manufactured them in the hundreds. Um, so, you know, it's just your, your sort of, uh, aptitude for a, uh, a big project and, and, you know, diving in and seeing if you want to try and figure it out 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think this is why it's interesting to have both of you guys on the show. Um, because I feel like you both see the same problem and you've obviously coming at it from completely different uh perspectives. Uh I like I wouldn't I, I don't think these two projects are are competition in any way. I think they're largely complementary. I mean, the Apollo two is almost it's like the it's like a Mac Mini of home mining. Um, it's like this completely yeah. polished project, and then Bidax is this you know open source do it yourself project at a much lower entry cost. Um, what is the Apollo two retailing at right now? It's eleven hundred. So, so just the uh, the minor part of it. Um, so we we have two versions. So USB minor, um, which is just the hash unit, um, is eight hundred for ten tera hash, and then if you want the full node um, and ability, it's uh, ten ninety nine. Got it. Yeah, so we're 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 definitely on the higher end of things. Um, and going off your comment, um, there's there should be dozens of people like us and, and dozens of companies doing what I'm doing and Scott is doing. The, the The market is huge, and we need to we need to get a lot more hash rate out there to the people. And that can only be done by projects like this, um, like Futurebit and, and Scott. And a lot more new and innovative projects that are coming out that I've, I've seen, um, which is really cool. And, and I'm glad that you know what we started at Futurebit has, has started to, to branch out to other areas, um, and people are starting to see the value of, of home mining and bringing hash power back to the people. Um, because going forward, especially if the BlackRock ETFs and everything else gets approved, um, there's going to be a lot of more centralization going on in Bitcoin, and um, you know whether whether you see it as centralization or not, uh, whether you think it's just part of free market dynamics. Um, at the end of the day, power is still getting concentrated, um, and what you know what a lot of people don't understand is Bitcoin, the system itself. It's it's not not decentralized just by itself. It's it's decentralized by the people that <clears throat> sorry by the people that run it. Um, so if enough people are not running it, um, as Hal Finney said, you know, you need to be running at the core level. Otherwise, it will not remain decentralized when there's only, you know, a dozen corporations um, running nodes and, you know, over 50 percent of the hash rate uh, is controlled by them. Um, so we a lot more companies than just us to, to get the hash rate into people's homes and to get it to the level where um, we're sure that Bitcoin can't be manipulated and, and taken control of by by uh, centralized powers. Well, I yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I would I would like to go deep on on mining pool centralization risks and 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 mining centralization risk in general, and, and like look at the big picture. But before we do, just real quick, one of the other issues we've seen in um, mining centralization is is manufacturer centralization in terms of actually uh creating the chips right. um it's it's largely been dominated by bitmain and what's minor i'm curious like what are you doing in terms of chips for the apollo 2 i know the apollo 1 they weren't uh, they, they they weren't like old s9s which a lot of people thought they were like what what is the deal with the chips in the apollo 2 like how does that work no, so we've had a, a great relationship with a partner um, that we've been kind of co-developing the chips with uh, for the past five years. Um, so that relationship is ongoing, um, and we're continuing to build new generation ASICs. Um, so we actually buy our, our ASICs direct from the fab. Uh, like so the actual cool. chips direct from the fab? Yeah, so a lot of people don't know that, but we're, we don't buy third-party ASICs. They're, our orders go directly to the fab, and that's what we receive. That's badass. That and is that's badass. Also, and that's also why, you know, a lot of people, you know, and I see the comments on BitX as well. It's like, well, why, why is this stuff so expensive? It's, you know, when, when you're buying direct new silicon, it's expensive. Um, you know, people, people don't realize that the stuff Bitmain is selling you, it's, first of all, it's already used by Bitmain themselves. It has a history of doing this. They, they always sell you used stuff. And that's kind of how they, they, uh, bring the prices down to retail when, when you pick it up at the end of the day. Um, and, and, and there's been a, a, a market created where people think, oh, that's that's the price of new silicon. It's like, no, it's not. Um, you know, the, the just the silicon that's in the Apollo 2 is $400. Um, so we, our, our margins are super low on, on what we build. And that's kind of always been the philosophy of the company. Um, 
price the product to where you know I can pay um, our developers and, and, and our, our, our people working on it um, and make a little profit on top. Um, but building hardware, especially at the scale that we're doing it, is, is super hard, super expensive. Um, and, you know, we also are made in the USA, so that, you know, obviously increases our costs. But again, that's that's part of the philosophy of the company. It's that I want to bring more production here uh, and, and get away from reliance of, uh, on Chinese manufacturing. Um, but that's yeah, impressive. On, on the ASIC side as well, it's, we're starting to see that change as well. Um, so obviously, Block is, is creating their own three nanometer ASIC, which you know, um, we'll hopefully be partnering with. Um, and Intel was like actually kind of a little funny side story. The the Polity was supposed to use Intel's chips, um, so they we were working and had a prototype working with them, um, and we were about to place a bulk order when they decided to to bow out last second. Um, so that's kind of why the product is about six months late uh, as well. So we, we had to pivot and switch back to our, our old uh, uh, ASIC that we were using. Um, At least that happened before the order. Yeah, yeah, that, that would have been bad if it happened uh, as, as we announced and started production. But yeah, that, that was a big blow to to the industry. We were talking with them and, and we were kind of trying to get them to be like, you know, you guys need to build an ASIC like you did with the original um, Pentium piece, Pentium processor, where you know you you built the processor and then you, you you gave it to everybody else to build PCs, and you know dozens of companies sprouted up and built the, the you know the whole production that happened because of that, and, and it was because of Intel. And we were excited that Intel was going to do that for the Bitcoin space, um, but you know unfortunately them being a huge corporate. Um, Behemoth, when they saw the the profits and margins weren't there, they just shut the program down, and and unfortunately that was a for for the rest of the industry. But there's a lot there's a lot popping up in in their place. So yeah, it's it a classic bear market casualty. They'll right, come back. Right. They'll come back into the game. I'm sure. Scott, what do you guys do for chips? Like, what's the situation with Bidax? So the Bitax actually uses Bitmain chips um, and not through any sort of uh, partnership or even authorization at all. Um, the project started uh, with reverse engineering the uh, ASIC, the chip in the S9, and then um, kind of like there's no documentation. There's there's no, you know, official data sheet or anything. So it's just sort of... Um, figuring out how it works by trial and error. Um, and then did the same thing with the chip out of the S17 and then finally moved to the chip out of the S19 XP, which is what we're currently using. But uh, yeah, we, we buy those chips from the repair market. So these are chips that are slated for um, ASIC like repair industry and they're very expensive because um, they're, you know, they're just not meant for building into miners, but um, they are sort of the most popular, the most abundant and, uh, the most performant. I mean, at least for the time being, like, uh, John said, this, this is changing fast. I've, I've, uh, aware of several other upstarts that are kind of coming at Bitman, but at least for the time being, they're, they're the best. Um, so yeah, that, that's what we're using. It's, it's a little bit tenuous of a real, of a, uh, situation there being dependent on, uh, another manufacturer that doesn't yeah, necessarily, <laughs> well, I don't think they care, but they're, they're certainly not on board. Right. Okay. Awesome. Um, so let's talk about, uh, mining pools. Uh, first, I think the first, uh, first place to start is Scott, you were, you had the privilege of being at the ocean mining pool launch. Uh, me and John weren't able to make it. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about how that was, what the vibes were like? It was, it was really good vibes, to be honest. Um, I feel like there's several people there that I met, f uh, in person for the first time and, uh, they seem very edgy and, uh, difficult online, but talking with them in person was fantastic. I don't know. I mean, that's Many such cases. Yeah. So some of the, uh, more, more infamous characters that you, uh, or your listeners maybe have read online were fantastic to talk to in person. 
And uh, the you know my my takeaway from it was they're they're very sincere and sincerely interested in what's best for Bitcoin. Um, it was a it was a really cool event um, in South Carolina, uh, and part of it was at a hydroelectric um, uh, generation facility that has like you know from like eighteen oh whenever that's been restored eighteen oh whenever I like that as a <laughs> like it was it was old I forget the exact date but uh, uh, Bob Burnett and Barefoot Mining have have restored it brought it back to life. It was kind of cool. They were talking about like, oh, you know, step one was to get a specialist in antique uh, turbine generators. So, you know, find that guy wherever he is. And then uh, he got it working again. And and so we got to do a tour of that facility and see it. And it's, it's, it's beautiful. Cool. And it's, um, you know, they actually have these huge gates and they, they, they redirect the water into the facility and the whole thing spun up. And it, it was really cool. Um, and they have they have got a bunch of miners on site, so you know I, I thought it was a fantastic event. It was it was very small. Um, you know, I got a chance to meet and talk to a bunch of cool people, and and it seemed, you know, it seemed uh, it it seemed very genuine to me. Awesome. Um. So I mean, the the guys at Ocean Pool, Mark and Luke, and their investors who supported them have 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 um, focused their attention on this concern uh, that we we are in a situation right now where uh, mining is hash rate is going through the roof. If you if you look at hash rate charts, it's incredibly impressive. Uh, it's just growing at a almost nonstop pace. Um, and I like to I like to say that hash price ha, like hash rate is the price. It doesn't lead the price. It doesn't lag the price. It is the price because it's the freest market in the entire world. It's it's energy for Bitcoin. Um, so on the surface, it's incredibly bullish. Um, but what's happening is uh, the way mining works is uh, miners are 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 contributing work to 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 earn Bitcoin, right? And as a part of that, they are constructing blocks and they're constructing blocks and choosing what tra which transactions are in the blocks. And that role has been essentially delegated to mining pool operators. If you are in a mining pool, if you're in one of these large mining pools like Foundry or F2 pool or Ant pool or even the smaller ones like Brains or whatnot, what you're doing is you're contributing your work from your miner uh, but ultimately, the pool operator is deciding which transactions are being mined. And this is a concern because of this idea of protocol censorship risk, this idea that certain uh, transactions might not be included in blocks. And if enough miners uh, come together to 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 not to to agree to not enough mining pools come together to agree to not mine those transactions, um, then in effect, uh, those people cannot transact or at a slightly in, in, in a better scenario, they can still transact, but they have a degraded experience. It costs them a lot more money in transaction fees because, you know, maybe 10% of the hash rate or something will mine with them. So um, I think Luke and Mark, I, I agree. I think overwhelmingly well-meaning intent. Um, and the idea is th the perspective is, is sound, uh, which is, we need to give miners more options. And also, furthermore, the long-term plan for Ocean is that the individual miners construct their blocks rather than the mining pool operator themselves. This idea that a single individual or you know, maybe a group of individuals in a mining pool entity gets to dictate which blocks are mined uh, is, is fraught with centralization risk. They can be pressured. Uh, they can act maliciously. Um, but if we widen that net and make more allow more people to construct their blocks, we're in a better situation. Now they don't have that implemented yet. Um, they do have this feature where you can see what transactions they plan to include in their block live on their website, which is which is unheard of. This is the first time I've ever seen that. Um, and the idea is if you're a miner contributing hash, instead of waiting till after they mine a block to leave them because they're that's that's the great check and balance. That's the one that everyone always says over and over again. Mining pool operator is censoring a transaction. Uh, miners will leave, but 
they can only leave after the censorship has happened, right? Um, so they show the get block. They show the block template ahead of time. Luke has historical uh, concerns with certain types of transactions in terms of how much data are are included in those transactions, um, and his block templates are 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 not including those. And so we know about that ahead of time before the before the blocks are even mined. And so as a result, there's almost like a preemptive controversy, even though they have a small amount of hash rate, that transactions aren't being included. Before I push it to you guys, I just want to say, last but not least, um, regardless of your ideological views on spam, uh, Bitcoin has a brilliant spam uh, mitigation mechanism, which is the transaction fee market. The whole reason transaction fees exist in the first place is because block space is scarce. Uh, space on Bitcoin's ledger, this ledger that will last for, if we're right, way past our own lifetimes, will last forever, or if not nearly forever, I don't want to speak in fully absolutes, um, has, a, has a scarce amount of space to it. And as a result, we have this pure free market um, with, with demand and supply uh, where transaction fees are, are dictated. So this idea that, um, the, and the, the main concept comes down to if someone wants to spam the network, uh, they will spend a ton of money that will go to miners. It'll improve Bitcoin mining infrastructure, and eventually they will run out of money. Uh, that is the simple spam mitigation technique that Bitcoin has. Um, so, with all that said, uh, I guess I'll push it to John. Like John, I mean, you have very strong views on mining centralization risk. Uh, right. How do you view this? You know, what did I did I get anything wrong? Is your perspective different than mine? Um, how do you view the whole ocean controversy? Yada, yada, yada. Yeah, no, no. I mean, you, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. Um, at the end of the day, you, you're either, I, I mean, listen, it's, it's, it's a hard topic because you, you can argue both ways that ordinals and, and all of that was never meant to be part of Bitcoin. Right. Snuck in there. Um, which is essentially what did happen. But at the end of the day, there, there's many mechanisms where they can still use block speed to, to push ordinals, whether it's through the current uh, bit that they're using it um, or not. Um, there's a lot of ways. To, so like you said, people that want to spam are going to spam the Bitcoin. And, and they have in the past as well. So they've, they've spammed um, uh transactions in the past where it was called a dust spam attack back in the day but again it's like you can do that for so long before you run out of money as you said and i i don't want to get into the 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 point of being the arbiter of of what is or is not allowed on on the blockchain people should be deciding that um if people come to a consensus that it should not be happening then that's there should be a new Bitcoin core push that uh, and people should start running that and that's what happens to the network um, and that's kind of the philosophy uh, we'll be taking with the solo stratum pool we're, we're going to allow our users to you know obviously the latest core is what's going to be pre-installed on the system but there's going to be an option where people can um, you know if there's certain flags that are part of uh, let's say user activated soft fork users will be able to check or uncheck that flag easily. Um, they'll be able to run their own version uh, of whatever core software they want, or even if it's uh, Bitcoin knots. Um, so, you know, it, it should come down to, to the individual and, and that's where decentralization and, and censorship resistance happens. Um, and, and again, for that to be uh, effective across the whole Bitcoin network, there needs to be enough people doing this, which they're not currently. Um, so, you know, that's that's what I want to hit uh, hammer home and, and, and what I'm doing and why I founded the company is we need to get a lot more people running nodes. Um, people need to understand that, yeah, at the individual level, uh, it might seem uh, and, um, that you don't have much power over it. But when there's millions involved coming together and, and coming to a consensus, that that's and that's where the true power of the Bitcoin network is. And, um, you know, we need a lot more education around that fact and, and making sure people understand this. Um, and that's kind of, you know, my stance on the whole thing. And John's not being hyperbolic marketing terms when he says millions of people. How many Apollo 1s did you sell? You no, know, we, you... we had about 100,000. 
That's insane, dude. I don't think anyone realizes that you sold that many units. That's that why I repeat insane. it all the time. That is insane. I did not know that. This that's incredibly inspiring. Yeah. <laughs> that's really cool. We might have oh, oh he's still here. Yeah. Go on. Right. Scott, hit us. One of the things I wanted to bring up and about the the ocean pool, and this is what um, mechanic and Luke and I were talking about before the event. Um, th- I think this this detail about the pool has kind of been lost in all the uh, excitement around their um, <clears throat> their uh, ordinal <laughs> disrespecting, I guess. Uh, anyways, they. Um, it's a uh, non-custodial uh, pool, so that they have this kind of interesting technique by which they pay the miners directly from the coin base of the mine block. So uh, they don't, in, except for in the cases of, of you know very small amounts, like very small miners. For the, for the larger miners, they pay them directly from the block. So um, the miners are getting the coins created uh, from in the coin base from the block they solve, and it also kind of puts that that decision you know should we refund remember this this drama that recently happened with the someone accidentally paid you know an insane fee and then the the pool refunded it right it it, it's just i think it's not really an option because it's just you know they get paid a percentage of uh all the fees that are in a block that they solve which is it was up to the miners it's up to the individual miners if they want to uh return it rather than up to the pool operator basically yeah, yeah, and I mean, there, you know, it's unlikely that any one miner is going to even have it all. So, um, it's a pretty in- interesting concept, um, and I think it actually has some implications and, and maybe some applications to uh, home mining because, you know, we we sort of are stuck in this. We're not stuck in it, but we, we're sort of in this um, solo mining paradigm for home miners because it makes the most financial sense but you know if we were to kind of create these smaller decentralized pools where you know groups of home miners could could band together to maybe um, make for somewhat more regular payouts then a, a strategy like this where we sort of automate the you know the the splitting up of the of the block i don't know it's it's a pretty interesting idea yeah can you guys hear me uh yeah. yes yeah, so there's actually a cool proposal. Um, I don't know if you guys know um, uh, Bob McGrath, but he's he's working on um, Bob from where? Bob, uh, what's what's his oh, name? Oh, Micklerath. Micklerath, yeah. Gotcha. He's he's working on. He actually we're, we've been working with him to for him to be our next uh, grantee for for future. But also does his grants. Um, so nice. Our, our first grant uh, that we gave out, and he's the one that helped us helped us build the, the solar pool functionality. Um, and so we've been working with Bob and talking with Bob about what he's doing. So, it, kind of what you talked about, um, Scott, where it's essentially um, an updated version of the old P two P pool that existed um, uh, in the early days of Bitcoin. So yeah. it was centralized uh, pool where there was no centralized pool operator, um, but it's essentially uh, people would join the pool and then they would get paid out. Uh, the, the header would be constructed in a way where they would be he- paid out based on the cr- contribution of hash rate um, to, to the block that was found, um, it, which was a cool concept, but it kind of failed because uh, big miners could take advantage of that and essentially um, uh, we're in a greater advantage than, than smaller miners. Um, so what Bob is trying to do is kind of fix the issues with that and launch. Um, it's kind of like a, a, a lightning side chain um, that works off uh, a second layer mechanism off Bitcoin where um, there's no centralized entity uh, um, that's in control of, of the coins that are mined. Uh, but people can join the pool. They get paid out a percentage based on their hash rate. Um, and this is all done automatically on chain. Um, and it's, it's a really cool concept. That is a really cool so, concept. Like all these mechanisms, uh, like this is how pools were, like uh, this idea of getting paid directly from the Coinbase is how pools were in the beginning. Right. Uh, the problem is, is that small miners, don't, they get paid dust or they don't get paid at all. Right. Like right. there's so like the default mechanism in ocean is basically 
Like if you're a small miner, like you get, hopefully you'll get paid out in like a year or something. And it just, cause it's, it like reaches a certain threshold where it's not like dust to get sent the transaction. And it's important to realize that a lot of people will say, oh, but the Coinbase transaction does not have any transaction fees because it's mine is included by the miner. Like, yes. But the next transaction after that does. Um, and as a result, if you get paid out a bunch of small, small on-chain transactions, you get hit with a overwhelming transaction fee burden. Um, so that's why we've seen like this. One of the reasons we've seen the birth of this idea of custodial pools. Um, also, a bunch, especially the larger miners, like all these different value-added services that can be added on in terms of like fiat conversion and stuff like that. Loans, you know, a bunch of different like regulated regulated financial products that they like to have on there. And then, last but not least. It gives mining pools the ability to offer a uh, predictable reward. Um, so actually, what you were mentioning earlier, a lot of mining pools, the way they're set up, aren't obligated to give any of that fee when they get a large accidental fee to their miners. They're they are choosing because of a business decision that they don't want miners to leave them potentially for someone else. But uh, technically, they're, they're, a lot of these mining pools are based on this formula that just uses the, the average rewards that happened over a certain amount of time so and the miners usually like that because they get predictability so like these are all it, at the end of the day when you talk about most of the stuff there's no perfect solutions there's trade-offs all the way around and like the idea is to try and give as much options and diversity on the market as possible so that it's not just all one monoculture um, but these are these are things to keep in mind now with ocean they have a plan to integrate lightning uh, in a non-custodial way um, I don't know what's public and what's not, and I do have some private information there, so I'm not going to go further into that. Uh, but, but the, the plan is to have some kind of lightning mechanism where small miners get paid out via lightning that is not launched yet. I don't know how much, like I said, I don't know how much details are out there. Um, but that is the core of all of this, right? The core of all of this to me is the pirate miners, the home miners, the small hash miners are the more the the most likely to be first of all ideologically minded and also profit at all costs like they're not necessarily uh hamstrung by like large legal departments and regulatory stuff and all this other stuff so the small miners tend to be when you start to think about it big picture tend to be our last line of defense right if if a large portion of the hash rate is complying with U.S. government financial regulation or another country's financial regulation, that that small subset of, of home miners and pirate miners will probably still include your transaction. And they act as this bulwark that because they, they, they exist there, the larger miners probably won't make that move because they'll just get really hurt financially and it's, it's against their incentive. But the problem is, is providing a censorship-resistant uh, way for them to do that short of solo mining like we could have them solo mine and then they're doing lottery right but if there if there could be a middle ground where they could participate in pool mining and as a result lower their variance and not have to wait a year or two years or four years or never get paid out um in in your head you'd be like oh it'd be more likely that we'd get those kind of small hash miners right and so that's the holy grail the holy grail is some kind of mining pool that does that now, I would add, um, I don't know, this is one of the reasons I wanted Steve Barber on the pool, on the conversation, but I don't know how familiar people are with, with Steve's mother pool idea that he's been teasing out there. And I do wonder if we've done the typical Bitcoin thing and we've, we've over-technolized the argument that we're like trying to like, that's not a word, technolized, but that we're trying to... <laughs> just do it through code and through technology, right? Like Stratum V2 is really fucking cool. A, a, a rehashed, improved PT, P2 pool is really cool. Uh, Braid pool is a really cool concept. Uh, Fetty pool is very cool concept. These are all heavily technical things that are in development and have their own set of trade-offs. But what if we had a pool uh, that he's calling mother pool? What if we had a pool that was a strictly a nonprofit in the United States that charged 0% fees and didn't have a human controlling the block templates. It was simply whatever the highest fee transactions are, they're included in the block. And then other, other 
smaller pools could then connect into there and batch their hash rate for the smaller miners. So the smaller miners could be served by a collection of smaller miners that are then getting paid out from the Coinbase. So instead of trying to solve the small dust Coinbase UTXO problem, you just push that off to another layer. There could be multiple competing custodial <coughs> entities that are batching hash rate on a local environment. And yeah, like the U.S. government could just shut down that top level nonprofit mother pool entity. But we don't know if that's necessarily like maybe maybe that's enough. Like maybe from a regulation point of view, that's enough. And if that's enough, then why not just do that? That's just a way easier uh, strategy. Yeah, that, that would be the easiest way to do it. But again, you're, you're still you're still someone has to run that server and someone has to run that software. Um, and, you know, if it's a big pool, then you still have that exposure uh, and risk of censorship there, no matter how good your intentions are. Um, and I think that's that's the issue with any centralized pool trying to do some sort of decentralized um, aspect of it. Um, but this isn't even decentralized. This is just a nonprofit entity right, constructing right. the blocks and running the pool right. software at zero percent fee. Yeah, I, if if the people that are running it and are are ideologically motivated, and you know they're just going to run Bitcoin Core and whatever the block template that uh, stock Bitcoin Core uh, spits out, that's great. Um, as long as there's you know and and you know if it gets big, there's no pressure uh, in terms of regulations or anything else. Um, that, that would be great. But again, it's if it does get to the point where there are um, OFAC type regulations uh, hammering down on these big miners and pools, you know, they're, they're going to be forced to comply. Otherwise, they're going to get shut down. That's the problem. Um, yeah, I wonder if the nonprofit would be shielded. I think the nonprofit might be shielded in that situation. It's just, no, it, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about this. It's league. not even making any profit right. off of it. It's a 0% paying out via Coinbase. But yeah, the, I mean, the, like you said, the Holy Grail is. Uh, the lightning payments that you, that you mentioned for all miners, that is a big thing. It's just so fucking complicated. Uh, like it's know, easy. It's such an easy thing to say. Oh yeah. I know. Oh, oh, we're just going to use self custody lightning for small yeah, payments. We, yeah. We're working been, on it. We've been, we've been dabbling with it in the back end, and it's, it's super hard. To... <laughs> it's, it, you know, it's, it almost seems like the complexity is, is unnecessary. Maybe, maybe it's necessary for, for large industrial miners, right? These guys, these guys, they have to join a big pool. They have such a large investment in it. They have so many players, such crazy financial incentives to, as to how their operation works that they, they need these big pools with low variance and, and whatnot, right? But I think, you know, what what I'm after and I think what what John is after is we're gonna we're gonna arm, you know, potentially a bigger a bigger group with miners to mine however it is they see fit, right? And right. we're we're hoping for an explosion of tools in different ways to do this, different ways to mine, right? You can form, you can solo mine, you can form small private pools with, with whatever block templates you want. Um, and you know, you can, you can create pools for your friends and family. I think, I think there's a lot of people who are interested in doing that. And right now, I mean, president company excluded right now, there's no tools for them. There, there's like, there's no miners, right? The, the, the miners that are out there, the, the majority of the hash rate miners that are out there are these big industrial machines that no one yep. can practically run in their house. And so it, it's just a totally different operation, uh, mining with those and in those corporate structures and in the pools that they want. I, I think we can, we can keep it simple and, and, you know, get back to more fundamentally how Bitcoin works and mine at home. And I don't think it's, it's not an insignificant number of people, I think, that will want to do this. No, it's, it's definitely not. We all agree on that. But yeah. So again, we're, we're going to make some, we're going to make some tools for them so that, uh, you know, we can, we can find all the people out there who are willing to do this and mine, you know, maybe, you know, maybe they don't, they don't care necessarily what the hash price is. They're, they're more resilient to, to changes, um, in the hash price, the Bitcoin price. They, they want to, you know, they want to secure freedom money. I just wanted to, uh, really quickly, uh, to listeners that are confused, 
the Coinbase transaction has nothing to do with the exchange Coinbase. They name themselves after the term. Um, <laughs> yes. It's it's the transaction in every block where the miner pays themselves the rewards. Um, just keep that in mind. Can be confusing. It is confusing stuff. Um, yeah, no, I agree with all this. I like let's empower let's empower the smaller miners. This is a reason why me and John have had a a a friendship for a decent amount of time because I love what he's been focused on over there. Um, and if, if to the Citadel Dispatch listeners, I mean, this is probably like the seventh or eighth conversation on home mining. I will just say, after last last cycle, you know, I the amount of times I if you go back to those episodes and I listen and you listen and I was like, like just you know stay humble about it. You know, don't, don't over leverage yourself. Don't, you know, get one or two miners, you know, maybe learn, you know, learn how it works, get your feet wet, you know, help contribute to the ecosystem, get some KYC free sats. And then like six months later, seven months later, I just hear about freaks who just like aped into like a warehouse full of miners and all this shit. I'm like, what the fuck guy? Yeah, that's, that's, So just don't do that again. Freak. <laughs> We've heard so many stories of, you know, it's so bad. Future. It's tempting. Oh, a gateway drug for for a lot of people so you know they get, they get the little uh, itch and then they go crazy um but yeah it's like the, the, this should be about sustaining the network and and make it if you can but you know at the end of the day if you're mining at home um, most electricity prices no matter what you're running you're not going to be able to break even um so you're you're doing this because you know you truly believe in bitcoin and what i what i say to everybody and what a lot of our customers are, are coming from is they're people that own a little bit of Bitcoin. They have it, whether it's on Coinbase or, or somewhere else, and they believe in what Bitcoin means uh, for the future and they want to secure it. Um, and that's kind of the message we've, we've, we've uh, gotten across to them. It's, it, this is the way to do it. You have to run Bitcoin at, at the base layer. Um, and, you know, Going back to, you know, even talking about the Coinbase, uh, that, that's the big issue that we have to overcome um, is this technical aspect of Bitcoin that's super hard to understand, but is super important for people to understand. Otherwise, they won't get why uh, you need to be running the system and, and all the stuff uh, everybody's doing around it. Um, and we need to get to a point where we're First of all, the hardware and the software is to a point where it's super easy to use and, and we're, we're starting to get there with Futurebit, um, but also getting it out there to, to people that um, you know, there's there's hundred, hundreds of millions of people that own Bitcoin worldwide, right? Um, so there's no reason why, let's say, 10 of them wouldn't be owed or mining, right? There, there's no reason why 10 million people in the future won't be doing this. Um, and if you look at it today, there's, I think the last time I checked it, there's like 50,000 nodes out there, which is insane. You know, like it's a super tiny fraction of, of the Bitcoin's user base. Um, I'm so proud of 50,000. I mean, yeah, listen, it's, it's better than, than, uh, it could be much worse, but you know, it, based on the number of people that own Bitcoin, it should be much higher. Um, there's no reason why you know there shouldn't be you know hundreds of thousands of nodes, a million nodes out there right now, especially at this point in, in Bitcoin cycle. Um, so that's that's kind of what we. Well, need how to many do. people do you think self custody Bitcoin? It's probably uh, around the same amount, I would say. I mean, definitely not whatever number you said for total Bitcoiners. Would you say a hundred no, million for total Bitcoiners? Yeah. It's like max ten million or something that, that for self custody. Yeah, some, some small amount of Bitcoin. I would say there's probably around hundred million. Um, but yeah. like self custody is probably like self custody is ten million. Yeah. Or, it's it's or probably this, oh no, not even. It's probably the same amount of people that are running nodes. Well, we know the ledger leak was a million uh, people, so we know at least a million people own ledger hardware wallets. Right. That's like my main. That's my that's, main that's stat on the bullish self custody yeah. side. That's 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 some good stats. Um, some of them might be shitcoin only and not holding right. Bitcoin, but right. still bullish. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty impressive. I mean, it's still fairly obscure thing. So, 
the fact that there's that many is is definitely inspiring. I think, you know, as there's more options, right? As they they become easier to use, there's going to be more people picking it up. Um, I saw one question in the comments. Then we'll go to uh, user donations. Then we'll do final thoughts. Uh, John, there was a question in the comments for you. Uh, can people just buy the miner and not buy the node and just connect that to a pool themselves? Like, obviously, they need the node portion to do the solo mining. Um, are they able to just buy the miner if they don't have the node part? Yeah, so we have two versions. One's called the full node deal and one's called standard, which is just um, it's a, it's just a little USB plug in the back that you can hook up to any computer or Raspberry Pi. Um, run our software and then connect to any pool you want. So you, you don't have to um, buy our full setup that comes with a node and the OS on it. You can just buy the miner. And, and if you have a, let's say you have some or other node or setup at home that you just want to plug it into and add some hash power, that's that's kind of why we designed it that way. Awesome. Okay, so Silo uh, Dispatch has no ads or sponsors. Uh, it's supported by viewers like you. So thank you guys for continuing to support the show with Bitcoin donations. Um, all relevant links are at sillodispatch.com. Uh, the leaderboard is at sillodispatch.com slash donate. Um, you can support through any podcasting 2.0 apps. As with every Sill Dispatch episode, I will read the top four in terms of sats donated from last episode. We have Ride or Die Freak Eric99 with 50,000 sats saying stay humble, stack sats, great advice. We have at Come Rocket with 12,069 sats saying enjoying Primal so far. We have at Nullifier with 5,000 sats saying I don't like the narrow focus of Noster used by content creators. I agree. Uh, it's going to be for everyone. And we have at Zibs24 with 2,000 sats saying value for value. Um, freaks, I know uh, you're out there trying to stack as many sats as possible. If you can't spare any sats, the easiest way to support the show is to share it with friends and family. We're available on every major platform. Search Silo Dispatch in your favorite podcast app, YouTube, Twitch, Rumble, all over the place. Uh, and as always, huge shout out to the Ride or Die Freaks who join us in the interactive live chat at SiloDispatch.com slash stream. Uh, that uses Noster. It's powered by Zap.stream. So shout out Kieran for maintaining that project. With all that said... Um, I'd like to wrap with some final thoughts. Scott, final thoughts. Man, this this has been pretty cool, John. I'm super stoked to to uh, get to to talk to you and hear more about uh, the Apollo and the Apollo Two. I yeah, it's I know, awesome like, to meet you too. I uh, the <laughs> you you had been you had been posting you know pictures, uh, sort of candid shots of your development process, your right. laboratory, and yeah. everything. And uh, man, I eat that stuff up. I just this is such a, a cool, exciting field. I mean, maybe I'm biased, but uh, it, it's it's been really cool to hear about it. Um, I want to talk to you some more about this. This is really cool. I think Scott's so, asking if you're hiring. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. No Thank pressure. We'll talk about it later. Um, <laughs> no, that, well, John, final thoughts. Would love to to get off and then talk. You know, I could talk hours. I wish I had hours, but you know. I haven't slept in the past two weeks at all, but we'll find some time. We'll okay, cool, man. Chat back and forth. I always look. Yeah, and, and the problem with with our space is th there's not a lot of people like us that that. There's at least part. five, right? I mean, four. There's, there's dozens. Yeah, but I'm, <laughs> there's I'm saying like really several engineers that can just take uh, uh, you know something from from concept to to, to an actual product. You know, they're they're a dime a dozen. So. I'm glad that there's more people involved in the space now. Um, I think it's really cool, and I, I'm really excited for for the future and and what kind of cool products come out in this whole mining space. Um, you know, I just saw something on Twitter where um, um, I forgot his name, but he's building like a pool heater. So it's it's an automated pool heater, just a plug and play pool heater where you just plug it in. And Is it not constellation? Yeah, I think that's them. Wait, Constellation or Coin Heated? Coin Heated. I think it's Coin Heated. Coin Heated is like the OG pool heater guy. He's right. like the guy who's like bragging. I forget where. He's somewhere up north. It's like Minnesota. It's like it's like 20 degrees outside and his pool's steaming because he's got oh, it running yes, through the miners. That's right. 
Yes, the Mind for Heat crew. Is, he's a rider he, He's been on the show before. John, he was on the panel with us in Miami in 2022, I believe. Right, right. Uh, I believe he was. Okay. I don't know. It's been, it feels like it was a decade ago. Um, thank you guys. Thank you guys for joining us. And thank you guys for focusing on such an important part of Bitcoin. I really do appreciate it. And yeah. uh, hopefully we'll have a chat again sometime soon. Uh, huge shout out to the freaks who joined us. Thank you guys. Appreciate you guys. I see someone in the comments saying they're looking forward to three hour plus Citadel dispatch rips again. Um, well, the caps have come out. The bull has begun its run. And maybe three-hour dispatch episodes will start to happen again. We'll see. Um, with oh, all that said, love you all. Stay humble, stack sats. Peace.